Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Shot, a sports podcast with yours truly, JP. And of course, on the other mic, you got Hector. What's up, Hector? What's up, man? I'm trying to trying to gather my thoughts. I've been in a rage because of a coaching situation in a certain city called Dallas, Texas. Would you say you were tripping? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'd be the only. I, I wouldn't be the only one the refs thought that about. <laughs> man, that game. Man, that that Cowboys Patriots game. I don't even. Um, if there's one positive to take away from it is that this is the prime game to define firing Jason Garrett. Like this is this is a game where. You know, even Jerry Jones, you know, for once in his life, expressed disappointment and frustration with um, with the coaching staff. And that has to fall on Jason Garrett and uh, special teams coach Keith O'Quinn, who also had a disastrous night. But, um, yeah, man, how 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 does this how does this uh, it just fell apart so badly? Like they were in a they were stuck in a corner where they needed to make a statement with a victory over New England. And of course, weren't able to get it done and of course losing to new england not the worst thing in the world understandable but it's how they lost and at the time that it came see that that was my thing is is because i also think yeah this this is it after this like there should be no doubt about it he needs to go but i've heard multiple times and i also do i could see the other side of that argument which is why why does he have to go after this game like why after everything why is this the one that decides that he should go. I mean, we were in Foxborough in the rain, in the cold against somebody who literally lives and thrives in that weather. Like you, like you said, it's not the worst thing in the world to lose to them. Um, but I still do believe that he needs to go after this. Um, mainly because, and I think he will not after this game, because, uh, Jerry Jones said that, that uh, he's not going to fire anybody in season. Um, but I mm-hmm. think he will. And the reason being is that, the Cowboys have to be perfect from here on out. We have to win out. There's no way we can lose another game. If we lose another game... And with that in mind... Mo- Go ahead. Oh, it's all right. Oh, no. I think uh, you're, uh, the connection was kind of slow there. I didn't realize that you were still talking because it had stopped. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah. I mean, this, it's like what we had said last week. I, I, I thought... I was of the mindset that if we lost this week, we wouldn't make playoffs. Luckily for us, the Eagles lost to the Seahawks as well. However, like I said, we have to be perfect from here on out because the Eagles have a ridiculously easy schedule kicking off their their last five games of the year with uh, the Dolphins this week. And I think it's Dolphins, Redskins, Giants, Cowboys, Redskins or something like that. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> that is a really easy schedule. Holy crap. Yeah, they're not going to lose again this year. They won't. And we have – then our next three games are Bills, Bears, Rams. So it's going to be tough for us. Yeah, and how many times have we done this podcast and told ourselves like at the end, at the end of each Cowboy segment just like, you know, they have the potential to get it together next week mm-hmm. and of course it doesn't come together. I mean, with this loss to New England, they still do not have a win against a team with a winning record. And it go and um it um you know, granted, like you said, it was in Foxborough, it was New England territory, weather that they're used to, but that, and I mean, sans the refs and those poorly timed tripping calls against the Cowboys, 
it felt like a win that was within our grasp. It felt like some. It felt like they could have pulled it off. I mean, yeah, if we would have scored one touchdown, we would have won that game. And it was there's multiple plays that you could point at in that game and say that would have changed it. That would have changed it. That would have changed it. For whatever reason, I have like it's unfathomable to me why Dak Prescott didn't run on that third and seven. He had at least five yards of open space. He could have got the way that we've seen him run from out there from that far out or from that close out. um, He could have got the touchdown, but he could have easily got the first down. He would have at the very least picked up five, six yards, and then it would have been a fourth and one. That's an easy call. You hand it off to Zeke. I don't understand what his mentality was. Um, whether they told him you got to pass this ball or you got to make a, you got to find a way that you know your first option is to pass, but he could have easily gotten that. The tripping call, the second tripping call was ridiculous, and I I I kind of don't want the refs to come out and say that they're wrong because they did, and it just makes me even more mad. Because like, what are you gonna do about it now? Like it's it's over. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. These um, like ref reports, like even in the NBA too, like it doesn't do any good to come out and you know publicly state that you know they basically cost them a couple of key drives that could have turned the game around. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess with um, with Dak on that play, um, it seems like Dak he. Uh, Obviously very athletic for a quarterback and a good runner when he needs to be, but it doesn't seem to me like, I guess if there's anything else that he could work on his game is that um, read and react not only with serving the field for the passing, but also like read and react whether he needs to rush or follow through with the pass. Because, you know, he's he's kind of a, you know, he's, he's, he stalls. He's kind of a, you know, he needs the, even though he's a better rusher for a quarterback, he still needs the field to be like, evidently wide open for him to go to go through with a rush yeah yeah and and i hate to say it but one of the one of the reasons might be and like i said i really don't want it to be this but it might just be that the moment was a little too big for him he still stayed cool calm and collected but he didn't have that killer instinct to where you know i'm gonna take this into my hands and i'm gonna do it myself and he's done it before um the reason why i'm saying this is probably too big for him is because this is the biggest stage in football you're playing in, I mean, obviously outside of the Super Bowl, you're playing in Foxborough against the, arguably the greatest of all time. And all at the same time, the entire world has been measuring your worth as a quarterback all season long because you've been denying the, the contracts. Now, I still think he's worth every penny. I still think he's going to get every penny that he wants. Um, I don't think that it's it's entirely Dak's fault. I think a lot of it, most of it, 90% lands on the coaches. Um, but I do think that it, it could have been, it could have been something mentally with Dak and, and I don't want to be unrealistic here. Like it, I don't, I don't want to just say that he's perfect or anything like that. It could have been something like that, but we should have had a better opportunity at the end. That tripping call was bogus. We also should have known that that pooch kick was coming on that special teams where you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, but I mean, ultimately it's it comes down to leadership man we we aren't i don't see jason garrett even talking to the guys on the field as much as i see all the assistant coaches or the defensive coaches chris richard is really cool with the guys he's really close to them he's always talking to them on the sideline jason garrett is not ever engaging with the team on the side he's just watching the game clapping his hands and and walking up and down like he'll get in an argument with the ref every now and then but he's not it doesn't seem like he has his guys attention at all and I, I don't know, it's it's weird to me. 
Yeah, he doesn't really get engaged. He um, doesn't seem like somebody who can relate well. And uh, kind of on topic with that, too, is that um, what I was going to bring up is that, you know, there were multiple drives where they ended up on the opposing side of the field with a fourth down. And every single time they chose to kick instead of go for it, where there was, you know, a couple drives where arguably they would have had a much better, um, you know, he would have been vindicated if he went through on the on the attempts on fourth down, especially with the drive that came with, well, like, in the six-minute mark or something like that, mm-hmm. where they chose to go with a field goal instead of going for it. And I'm wondering if that is a way to inadvertently burn his bridges with the offense because what does it look like where even when you're provided an opportunity to go for it, like with a, with Dak or Zeke or, you know, anybody on the offense uh, – at, at, at any fourth down, coach is always going with the kicking team. Like he, mm-hmm. he doesn't, uh, he does. He's not willing to go for it. And you know, it could be his own, you know, conservative ideology about being a coach. Mm-hmm. But then, like, what it has to, it's probably seeding into the, into the offense that it's maybe because he doesn't trust them to to execute. Yeah, and and honestly, in that situation, that fourth and seven when they kicked the field goal and they got the three points, um, I couldn't argue both ways. I I've. I feel like, honestly, like I, I'm okay with them kicking that field goal. I understand where we should have gone for it. The game's on the line. you got to go balls to the wall against Tom Brady. But you have six minutes left in all three of your timeouts. You're going to kick the field goal. You're going to take the for sure three points instead of handing it back off to Tom Brady with a, what, seven-point lead at the time? Um, mm-hmm. And then let him go into the wind, whatever. That's still Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Like he that in that situation, no matter what Jason Garrett would have allowed to happen, he would have been damned. Because if he goes for it and then doesn't get it, then everybody's saying, Why don't you take the for sure points? You would have had plenty of time to get the ball back. Your defense has been stopping them all day. Why didn't you just take the three and then come back, try and try and give the ball to your game manager? And then he didn't, and then everybody's saying you should have gone for it. You know what I'm saying? Like he would have he was gonna lose that no matter what. However, I still think that this is all his fucking fault, JP. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. I'm just gonna rattle. There's there are five coaches, including Jason Garrett. So there are only four other coaches in the NFL that have been with the same team as long or longer than Jason Garrett. Those coaches are John Harbaugh with the Ravens, but he has one Super Bowl championship, one conference championship, three divisional championships, and seven playoff berths. Sean Payton, one Super Bowl, one conference, five divisions, seven playoffs, one coach of the year. Mike Tomlin, one Super Bowl, two conference championships, six division titles, eight playoffs bursts. And then obviously Bill Belichick speaks for himself, six Super Bowls, nine conference, 16 division titles, 16 playoff bursts. Jason Garrett, zero Super Bowls, zero conference championships, three division titles, but those all came on, well, two of them came on. Uh, no, actually, I think they were all Dax division titles. And three playoff bursts with those same years. He did get one coach of the year, but that was when we had a phenomenal year. But the point is that the only people that are there that long, they have a Super Bowl. It like they have a conference championship and a Super Bowl. Jason Garrett has nothing to show for his tenure with the Cowboys. He doesn't. There's there's nothing. He doesn't have a statement victory. He doesn't have this this like bravado about him that 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 says that he should be under contract any longer with us especially now that the giants are like oh we want him well, go ahead fucking take him that'd be great for us you know what I'm saying? 
yeah, it's it's so um, it's so nuts to me that when you look at Cowboys history, head coaches in order of their tenure with the team, it's number one Tom Landry, and then number two Jason Garrett. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's so stupid. That is crazy to me, and like it just um, it doesn't make any sense at all. He's like the most vanilla coach mm-hmm. in the league. Like he, there's nothing. There's nothing unique about his philosophies or anything like that. He's just a placeholder, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he just plays this conservative method. That you know, like it doesn't. It always leaves people like you know wondering like what if like he never he never goes for it. And I was just reading, um, I was reading a story about John Harbaugh and the Ravens. Uh, John Harbaugh, he has com- he has gone for it on fourth down. 14 times this year and has converted 10 of them and and part of the reason why he does that is because they have an analytics staff that helps you know helps them uh explain the probability of you know successfully completing on fourth down and um that kid is 29 years old the main guy that leads the analytics staff He's 29. Yeah. So that goes to like what you were saying about how bland Jason Garrett is. Like there's he's not like this old maverick that's got an ace up his sleeve. He's not a classic coach. He's not a grinder like Gruden is. He's not a young gun like Sean McVay. There is literally no reason, no wild card. Like there's nothing Mm-mm. saying that we should keep him. He's like the definition of an interim head coach. Yes, exactly. And he's been there for 10 years now. It's fucking ridiculous. Like Chris Richard, we were going to lose Chris Richard this offseason to multiple teams that wanted him to be their head coach. Like if we don't if we don't promote him in some aspect, he's going to leave. And right now is the most perfect time to fire Jason Garrett and because the thing is we're facing an uphill battle. We're still the odds-on favorite to make the playoffs out of our division, but I, I honestly don't understand how that is. We have three tough teams coming up. The Eagles have no one else to play, basically, besides us. Um, uh-huh. And uh, and so so Vegas says we're the odds-on favorite, but we're really not even – we don't have our hopes up. Like, as a fan base, we don't have our hopes up of getting to the playoffs anyways. Fire Jason Garrett now. Let Chris Richards take the interim uh, – Take the interim uh, head coaching job. You know that everybody loves him on the team, and you know he's a defensive mastermind. Uh, let him let him do it. Play it out. See what happens. If he gets us to the playoffs, great. If he doesn't, we weren't expecting it anyways. You know what I mean? I don't understand why they're not making that move right now. Um, right now, let me see here. There's um, I'm not too familiar with this uh betting site but it's a website called um bet online that uh you know manages a lot of you know sports betting not not a sponsor not a sponsor (laughs) (laughs) um so there's a line right now for cowboy for who is going to be the cowboys head coach in week one of next year and chris richard is currently 16 to 1 number one at three to one is Urban Meyer. Dude, I would love that. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Uh, four to one, Josh McDaniels. Wow. And and five to one, Lincoln Riley. You see, okay, so any of those three I would love. I honestly, like just loyalty-wise, I would really like Chris Richards to be it. But if we can move him up to defensive coordinator, I don't think he'll, he'll fuss about it. Lincoln Riley, 
For those of you that don't know, Lincoln Riley is the uh, head coach at at Oklahoma right now. He's coached two two back to back Heisman quarterbacks, looking to do a third. Um, he's a great, great young quarterback. I mean, great young coach. But I believe he has said on multiple occasions now that he has no plans to leave college football. And really, why would he? He's got it made down there. Um, he gets all the all the all the money without having to to worry too much about grown ass men. Um, um, yeah, and he's he's leading the conference. He's leading one of the Power Five conferences in the nation. So I mean, there's really no no reason except for what Urban Meyer said, which I'll get to in a second. Josh McDaniels, uh, for those of you that don't know, is the offensive coordinator for the uh, Patriots. Um, mm-hmm. Great, great coach as well, obviously. Um, so I would be open for him, but he actually took a job with the Colts this past year and then turned around last second and said, no, I'm going to stay with the Patriots. So that kind of kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So there's no saying that he'll leave. Uh, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, Hall of, probably Hall of Fame, going to be in the Hall of Fame coach uh, for college coaches. Uh, he coached Ohio State for a long time. I, I, I'm sure he coached – I can't remember what other schools he coached, uh, but they were big ones as well. Um, but he did a great job at Ohio State. He's obviously boys with with Zeke, um, and uh, and he was quoted. Uh, I can't remember what show it was that he was on a couple weeks ago when this whole speculation first started about Lincoln Riley. And he said, Urban Meyer retired last year, and uh, he said uh, he said that the Cowboys' job is the one job to come out of retirement for. Is the one job to accept no matter what. And they asked him. You know, because he was actually talking about Lincoln Riley, but then they asked him, because you know how journalists are, they asked him, they were like, uh, are you saying that you would come out of that? You would come out of retirement for that? And he goes, I'm saying that, that that's the job. In football coaching, the Dallas Cowboys is the job. Anybody would be wild to not come back for that job, to not take that job. So, dude, if he's up there as one of the favorites, <laughs> I would love to have him. I would love it. It'd be great. Yeah, no, I think so, too. Just you know, honestly, just anybody, just just shake up the staff for the love of God. Mm. Just let's go into next year, you know, retain retain the important guys over the summer, and then go into this go into next year with just somebody new. Because I mean, it's it may even it doesn't even need to be a big name like Urban Meyer or something. It could be something as it could be something as simple as just a shake up that's needed. Because mm-hmm. like I mean, you know, Jason Garrett isn't getting through to anybody, so just anything. Yeah, they could even go Mike McCarthy. He's still out there. He used to coach the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, just anybody. But, oh, well, I mean, now is not the time to get into that. Jerry Jones has already said he's not going to fire him at this moment. So, guess what? To wait until the rest of the season goes down in flames for them to make a move. Yeah, that's the shitty part is that for us to get what we really want, we're probably going to have to sacrifice this season. And I don't know if I can do that. But hopefully we make it to the playoffs and we still fire Jason Garrett. Just just <laughs> do something for us, Jerry. Come on, man. We need something. I know. I know. Okay. All right. So moving on now to uh, coach coach's team that we had mentioned earlier, John Harbaugh's Ravens, absolutely destroying the Rams on Monday Night Football. I think the final score was 40, 45 to 6 was the final score. Yeah, that was Lamar Jackson's and, first Monday Night Football game. And this comes after last week when we thought that they were going to be facing stiffer competition against the Texans. And, of course, you know, um, 
it was it was expected this week as well with the Rams. Who the Rams who have not had the greatest season either, but you know expected to not be blown out by thirty nine points. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me thinking: Are we still underestimating the Ravens? Like should. At this point, should they be the favorite to come out of the AFC for the Super Bowl? Yeah, at this point, I think I'm ready to to crown them AFC champs. Like, especially seeing how um, how the Patriots did. Like, we so the Patriots going into this last game, uh, they the whole thing was their offense can't score, their offense can't score. My whole thing was that's still Tom Brady, but they really didn't score. I mean, they had one touchdown, and if yeah. if you go. And play with a team that, and honestly, I still believe we have a better all-around group than the Ravens do, personnel-wise, like player-wise. But they have it much more together than we do, and their quarterback is phenomenal. You go into a game like that against them, and you perform the way that you did this past week. The the Ravens are going to eat it up. They're going to again because they already beat you one time. So yeah, I'm ready to unless I told this to one of the guys earlier today. Um, unless the Chiefs can find a uh, suitable defensive back, yeah, I'm ready to crown the Ravens because the Chiefs are, are right up there in 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 in, uh, in the sense of offensive powerhouse, but they just can't get it together on defense, and and the Ravens just have it all together. And they have such a good group mentality, mm-hmm. like with Lamar Jackson, with uh, Ingram. With uh, their defense, Marcus uh, was it Marcus Peters? Yeah, Mar- they have no, no, oh, yeah, yeah. They just got Marcus Peters from the Rams. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's no, um, there's no need to worry about their psyche with this team. This is a team that's made up with guys that just like just give us, just give us the best you got. We'll go in and we're we're, we're just going in swinging at you. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go in and we're gonna do everything that we can. We're gonna make it ugly. We're gonna do the best we can to just straight up destroy you. It was like this is this is clearly a team that's just having fun and is just having fun dominating teams. Yeah. And this is the kind of team who I can see just continuing the stretch through the playoffs. Like they don't they don't care that it's New England. They don't care that it's Kansas City. They don't care about anybody to come out of the NFC. Like this is something that they that I could see them just like carrying this mentality through to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't I don't see anybody challenging them the way that they're going right now. And yeah, the whole team attitude. Like, I loved the uh, the Mark Ingram uh, post game co- interview. I don't know if you saw that, but they I asked know him, he's so funny. Yeah, I asked <laughs> him if his day he thought that Lamar Jackson should be the MVP or whatever. The big trust. Woo woo. I'm about that. That shit was hilarious, dude. They love each other. Like they're they're for each other. And Mark Ingram is not Todd Gurley. He's not Zeke. He's not Alvin Kamara. But he's running like he. Like he thinks he is, you know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't care yeah. what who he is or who's better or who's getting the money. That guy is out there to win, and I like Mark Ingram. Uh, I feel like he. It would be cool to see him get a to get to see him get a Lombardi, but really Lamar Jackson right now is the head and shoulders of that team, and I don't think. I mean, we've been preaching about him for weeks now. I don't think there's any more that we have to go over him that we haven't said already. He's literally just a phenom out there on that field, and there's there's no one stopping him. Yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson, who's now the Vegas favorite for MVP of the year, and if he were to win it, that would make him the youngest quarterback in history to win MVP. And he started at 75-1 to 1 this, this season. That's, 
I know. Whoever, yeah, whoever put that bet on at the beginning of the year, just congrats to you. Yeah, hell yeah. Because that now that looks like the safest bet there is. Yeah, so we are going to get a big test uh, for him. Well, we think it's going to be a big test, but every time we think it's going to be a big test for him, we we don't really we don't really get proven right there. So I'm just going to since we're talking about him now, I'm gonna go ahead and highlight that has to be. I mean, it's mine. It's got to be yours, right? Is that your game of the week this week? The San Francisco oh, 49ers? Yeah, for sure. yeah. Niners come to Baltimore. That's going to be such a good game. And it could be it could be a preview of the Super Bowl. Possibly, maybe, if the Niners are really that good. But I still am not sold. Yeah. Okay. Um, real real quick, who, who, who do you have favorite out of the NFC? To come out of the NFC... Uh, I still, I it, for me, it still comes down to the Seahawks and the Saints, but I gotta give the edge to shit. Actually, now, right now, at this point, I think I'm gonna give the edge to the Seahawks. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go New Orleans, but that's that's like a that's like a coin flip right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame anybody that thought that New Orleans would come out. I mean, like I said, I've, I've been saying we've been saying this for weeks too. These are the top two teams, and I have the utmost faith in Drew Brees. My thing with New Orleans is that Alvin Kamara is just not what he was last year. He's not performing. He's still getting it done. Don't get me wrong. He's getting it done, but he's not. Last year, he looked like Christian McCaffrey. This year, yeah. he he looks like a lot less. He looks like maybe what Joe Mixon was last year, which is good, but not phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and that's not so in Seattle. In Seattle, Chris Carson is not is not Christian McCaffrey either, but they're pulling out flea flickers. They're, they've got – they're beefing up their wide receiving core. And Russell Wilson is right behind Lamar Jackson in the MVP talks. So I, I got to give the edge to Seattle on that one. Okay. All right. How would you do in fantasy this week? Well, luckily for me, we're, our playoff matchups are two-week matchups. But unluckily for me, I am now down by 30 points going into week two. Oh, that's not the worst. It's not terrible, but I started Derek Carr and then they benched him. They fucking benched <laughs> him, dude. Oh my he god. He got me six points and then he got benched. Oh no. Wait, who so who's starting for them now? Dude, I don't even know. I wasn't watching the game, I just well, I was watching the red zone and it wasn't there at the time and then the fantasy group message that said that that uh Derek Carr got I mean I'm sure he'll be starting this week, but I don't know who it was that week. Or who it was that game. That's crazy. Oh, they got. Oh, yeah, because they got blown out by the Jets. Yeah, by the Jets, dude. Are you kidding me? You know how many people must have yeah. lost money on that? At the time that he was benched, they were losing thirty-four to three, and it was Mike Glennon who came. Oh, dude, him. I was gonna say that, but I thought he died. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I haven't heard that name in years. He's just one of those names that just has been around for so long. You're like, is he really still in the league? Just yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> And then I also started Jalen Samuels, and, like, minutes before the game started, I found out that he wasn't starting anymore for the Steelers. So he got me five points. And then I started T.Y. Hilton, and he got me a whopping four points. So I I don't know. I, I can bounce back, but it's going to be real tough this week. Yeah, uh, let me see. This week, I still haven't started playoffs yet. Um, but I did come away this week with the victory uh, by 10. Let me see. Who came through for me the most? This was with Matt Breda from San Francisco, not uh, 
I didn't realize that he was going to be out for this game. I knew he was on the injury watch, but I didn't know that he was going to sit out this game. Thankfully, even with him still in the lineup, I was still able to pull out a win. Uh, thanks to Jared Cook from New Orleans putting up big numbers. And uh, so did Leonard, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was the one who carried me this week. What did he throw up? He threw up 37 fantasy points. Wow. Yeah, he had, uh, let me see, 97 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, let's see, wait, hold on, let me see here. Uh, yeah, wait, is this on 12 targets? Yeah, not yeah, 97 yards rushing, 62 yards receiving with nine uh, catches and uh, two touchdowns. And they lost that game. Like, a running, yeah, running back shouldn't have that many points when they lose. Well, the other day, Christian McCaffrey had 30-something points with no touchdowns. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that guy is crazy. Yeah, so eh, everybody throw up some good vibes for your boy because I'm going into week two down 30, and I need to So I need to beat my opponent by at least, like, 35 points maybe to win. You don't have Amari Cooper on your team, did you? I don't. No, 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 I don't. But I'm sure – actually, Pablo does, and he – he was very, very <laughs> upset. Oh, by the way, I don't think I mentioned this uh, last week, but I meant to uh, shout out to Pablo. He was telling me he listens to it on the morning drive every day or every week. But uh, but um, I know a few weeks ago we were talking about how he was so downtrodden with injuries and stuff, and he was going to come in last place, and he ended up finding his, fighting his way out of it. And like I said, I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not sure if I mentioned it or not, but, yeah, he fought his way out of it, and he's still in the loser's bracket, but now he's vying for the number one pick. <laughs> All right, yeah, shout out to Pablo. Pablo, uh, let me see. Pablo, one day you'll be a guest on here so you can so we can do uh we can do a first take style, just throwing just throwing just throwing takes at each other. Yeah, absolutely. For just an hour, for just an, for just an hour straight just <laughs> talking shit to each other. <laughs> okay, so up next, let me see here. Uh okay, yeah, game of the week. Uh we already discussed uh was going to be uh, Ravens and 49ers. That that game right now is at noon. Are you, I gotta assume yeah. that they're gonna flex that. If they, ha- I don't know when they have to do that by, but you, they gotta flex that. They can't put that at noon. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's a, that's such a weird, that's such a weird game. It's like the the game of the weekend is going to be at noon on on Sunday. That's let me see what what other games do they have uh, for a. Uh, for this week, let me see here. I think, well, I mean, it's a biased thought, but I mean, we gotta keep a closer eye now on the Thanksgiving game against uh, Cowboys and Bills because right. this this one can really, if the Cowboys lose this game, you can throw the season in the trash. I think if the Cowboys lose this game, Jerry Jones is gonna change his mind and fire Jason Garrett right away. You know, honestly, that might that might. Be what it takes for them to lose because if they lose if they lose this game, they would fall to six and six, and it would be absolutely bizarre for a team as talented as they are to be this late into the season and be five hundred. And then lose at home to Cole Beasley. That's no, no way. <laughs> yeah. So the so the late games on Sunday are uh, uh, let's see Rams Cardinals at three o five, Raiders Chiefs at three twenty five. Chargers Broncos at three twenty five, and then Patriots Texans at seven. I honestly think you could move the Patriots Texans down to three, move the Chargers and Broncos to noon, and then yeah. flex the 
the Ravens and and Niners up to the seven seven p.m. the primetime spot. That's what they should mm-hmm. do. The Monday the Monday night football game also though by the way is going to be game of the week part two because yeah, that's, that's a really good game. The Vikings go to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Both teams are trying real hard to make their to make their case at the. Uh, right now at a wild card because the Seahawks are in the uh, the Niners division. So right now the Seahawks are fighting for a wild card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's another one to look out to for playoff. That, the season is starting to become interesting. I'm yeah. I'm digging this. We're, we're we're at the point of the year now where they uh, each game has like serious playoff implications now, yep. and se- seasons are starting to be declared. Mm-hmm. I think like after this game, it's uh, there's going to be a divide between who should still be going for it and who should call it who should call it a year who should wrap it up yep yep i agree and and the cowboys definitely fit that category oh yeah they're the freaking epitome of that right now it's literally every <laughs> possession will decide our season okay all right now moving on to a team who many say should already wrap it up the spurs in basketball uh hey well they got to win they got to win this week finally broke their losing streak against New York on Saturday, but then also dropped games against the Wizards, Sixers, and Lakers. What um, What are we doing? Oh, that Wizards one was the weird lineup that we were talking about, right? They started that weird lineup with... Uh... Yeah, they uh, started... Who They started Patty in place of DeJounte, and I think... Was that the only move, or did they no, start Jakob No, they Jacob started Jakob over Lyles, yeah. Yeah, um... So this past week they've been doing a little bit more experimenting with the starting lineup, and I think they kind of have decided now that it's going to be Derek White, Bryn Forbes, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Jakob Pertl. Mm-hmm. Um, previously they had opened up the year with DeJounte Murray and Trey Lyles in that lineup in place of White and Pertl, but that lineup had a negative 8.9 net rating and so far, I mean, it's a, it's a small sample size. It's only been uh, 23 minutes together that they have been starting this new lineup. Um, but they're a positive 4.1. They seem to... Um, I, I My guess is that they put Pirtle in over Lyles to emphasize more of a rim protection. Since I think, in a weird way, I... I I'm starting to really, really like Trey Lyles and like him like overall more than Jakob Pertl, but one thing that Pertl does have over him is rim protection. Mm-hmm. And then with uh, Derek White starting in place of Murray, Murray, um, you know, for as much as we love him and think that he's going to be a huge piece of the future, he has been having his ups and downs, and especially with like a slow-paced half-court offense, because Murray's place is just a running gun in transition, but whenever you force him to slow it down, he can muck things up a little bit. I mean, he's a better shooter, but he still needs some work. But uh, that's something that defenses can take advantage of. And Derek White, um, you know, is no like a, you know, is not a gunner from three either. But he's definitely more capable than Dejounte is, and I think that's what they're looking for with this new lineup. And then once uh, you have White and Pirtle in the starting lineup. You got Murray and Lyles coming off the bench with uh, Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, um, Damari Carroll, who got all of Marco Bellinelli's minutes in the last game against the Lakers. I don't know if that was just a situational thing or if that's what's to come from now on. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of weird because 
I was hoping that DeJounte would be like undoubtedly the starter, mm-hmm. but at this point, if this is what works, then you got to roll with it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm really just looking for a win. I don't care who you put out there. But um, I did see my cousin Serge sent me a screenshot of a rumor. I don't know how much water this holds or, or how much you would be on, on board with it, but he sent me a screenshot of a rumor of uh, LaMarcus Aldridge for Gordon Hayward in Boston. Um, I think, uh, I've not, I haven't heard that rumor, but I think if that was offered, I would say yes to it was because before I think Gordon Hayward is out with an injury again, but I think this time it was like a broken bone in his hand rather than the ankle injury. But before he got hurt again, he started to look like his old self. He was, um, he looked really, here, let me look up his numbers, but he was looking really good for the Celtics before he got injured again. Uh, he was taking lead. Uh, let me see here. He has been averaging, wait, man, piece of shit. Okay, um, let me see here. This year so far, he's been averaging 19 and 7, uh, shooting 55% and 43 from 3, which is, uh, Kind of similar to what Aldridge can do, but um, you know, not so much the three-point percentage. But uh, I would I would say yes to that deal because we need we just need another ball handler, someone who can create his own shot. Lamarcus Aldridge has been having a good year, but most of his points are like the most effective uh, ways to score for him has been off the catch. But uh, he's not really someone who can produce for himself anymore. You know, other than. Uh, you know, mid-rangers or uh, not so much post-ups this year than normal. But, uh, yeah, no, Aldridge for Hayward would 100% do it. I don't know why Celtics would do that. I don't really like that deal for Boston. I just feel like we need, like, we're going to get rid of the We only have, like, two or three big guys. Like, I don't want to get rid of one of them unless we're getting something that can fill that, that spot in return. And Gordon Hayward, if I'm not mistaken, is a three? Yeah. Um. So... The other and the another reason why it kind of threw me off and I kind of wasn't for it was because I'm more focused on the other guy that we've been talking about that should be traded soon and now is the time and 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 I noticed what you put on there was that you think it's imminent. Um, I read today that he and I'm not one to like stalk celebrities' Instagrams or Twitters or anything like that, um, but I did read today that he cleared his whole Instagram posts. And the last time he did that was when he knew he was getting traded from the Raptors. Yeah. People are putting a lot of stock into that, like wondering what that means. If this, if this means that a trade is on the way. Um, I personally don't think so because I think, you know, once teams are in advanced negotiations, as far as, you know, trading players, they usually set them out just to avoid the risk of injury. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I don't, I don't really think that the deal is imminent, but it should be um, something that they think more about, which sucks because he's actually having a good year. Like he, he's like the, he's a guy that you really have to take the good with the bad, because he is having a good year. He's averaging twenty two points on fifty three percent shooting, um, is averaging uh, five rebounds, five assists, um, but he's a, he's a guy who just 
refuses to take threes and who is not that great on the defensive end either. Like this is uh he it's hard to weigh how much of a positive that he is for the team whenever all the data shows that whenever he's on the floor, the Spurs are a worse defensive team. And you know, he's you know, it's not like he's just like openly letting the guy go by him, but you know, you you see it on the floor too, you know, he focuses so much on offense that he doesn't really he doesn't really uh he wouldn't be up to snuff on defense. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a thing where, you know, if if this was a previous iteration of the Spurs where they were hammering defense as mu- uh like they would in their early in uh, like before these past couple of years, he wouldn't have seen he wouldn't have seen as many minutes because he just wasn't wasn't bringing it on the defensive end. But now that's their identity. I think I mentioned last week that they were 28th in offense. Now they are 25th, which an improvement, but not really. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's just what what do you do with that? Like, do you really risk uh, trading your leading scorer because he's that terrible on defense? You know, there are people of the mindset that you just got to roll with the with the the good with the bad. But then there are other people thinking if he's going to be someone who's going to be playing so much and not putting in an effort on defense, then yeah, you need to trade him because that's the kind of thing that could uh, trickle down to the rest of the team. Yeah, but okay. So you you to be clear, you you don't want to trade him because of like you don't want the the lack of defense to be a part of the reason why we trade him if we trade him. Oh, that's a hundred percent why I would trade him. Okay, okay. I'm I'm I'm, I'm just like explaining the two mindsets of do you trade him like okay. because of that because you know you've lost your defensive identity and your main player is a reason for that. Or do you keep him because he's so valuable on the offensive end? Which even that comes into question because, you know, he's not a three-point shooter mm-hmm. and he kind mm-hmm. of, you know, he needs to see the ball in order to be effective. I see. I, I, I really, I just, I don't like seeing the Spurs go away from what we've known them to be so good at, which is, well, two things is ball movement, but really what we're, what we're seeing them straight from is the defense. We put up, what was it? One hundred and thirty points against the Wizards. Yeah, I think the last, I think the final score to that was like one thirty-eight to one thirty-two or something like that. Yeah, you're. How how do we lose a game when we're scoring one hundred and thirty-two points? Our problem, actually, it's it's so funny because it's kind of reverse. Like back then, we used to only score night like ninety-eight to one hundred and ten points, but we held teams. When mm-hmm. like our defense was our, was our super strong point, we held them to under a hundred points, under a hundred and five points, uh, shit to eighty points. Sometimes we held some really good teams to to low points. Um, so now it's like, and then back then I'm sure some people were like, ah, oh, but we need to adjust to the game. We need to you know score more. We need to put the numbers up. And now we're doing that, but we're letting other teams do it as well. And I I love Demar. I love what he's done for us. I love. I mean, we haven't won with him, but he has given us all. Obviously, he could have thrown fits, and he didn't do that. Um, and yeah, he's having a great year, a great, great year offensively. But in this case, it's like it's not a personal thing. It's 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 a business decision. We have to. It's a few. It's a decision for the future of our team, where if we can't just put the team on his shoulders because he's obviously not, he's great. But in this situation, he's not enough to carry us all the way or as far as we need to go. 
know what I'm saying? So even if we were to trade him and and and, and lose all that offensive production, and let's say that that that's cause for another few losses, like I mean, we as as Spurs fans, we've never been this low this early in the season. So really, for us, we can't go much lower. I mean, it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And so just for reference, the Spurs are sixth right now in offensive rating and um and this is with an offense that's you know outdated and doesn't really um who has a for some reason has a horrible time scoring from the inside from the paint just as badly as they do from three like their their bulk of their offense really does come from the mid-range and then uh they're 20 not 25th they're 26th in offense and uh you know just for comparison for washington Washington has the second best offense, but they have the second worst defense, and so this is just the kind of thing that. Uh, Wait, we're it, we're sixth or twenty sixth. Twenty sixth in defense, oh. sixth in offense. Okay. And so this is kind of um, you know, this is kind of a thing where they just have to. The, you know, look themselves in the mirror and decide that this is the team that they're going to be. You know, Coach Pop have set, has said in the past that, you know, he thinks a large part of it doesn't necessarily have to come from making a trade or switching who's in the lineup or what. But he thinks that this is a team that just needs to work their, you know, it's, it's still just learning the defensive schemes. It's still just learning how to play defense on this team. That It'll come together in time. But do you... We they have to ask themselves: Do they really trust that, or they, do they need to make a move? Because, you know, for as long as they've been around, um, you know, the guys who don't play defense on this team have never played defense. Demar's never played good defense. Patty, Bryn Forbes, uh, Bellinelli, these are all guys who, you know, you kind of. It it's just uh, they're gonna kill you. It's it's mm-hmm. you know it sucks, and you know especially with Demar. You kind of have to. Demar's a kind of guy that you have to form the rest of the offense around him. Like Demar is not a three-point shooter, so you really have to focus on the other guys on offense being three-point shooters. And Jakob doesn't shoot, um, and the other guy, uh, Bryn, does shoot. But then you look at the other guys: Derek White, Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, these are guys that. Um, you know they can shoot it, but they're not. That's not really their inclination. You know they find other ways to score. They're not necessarily looking out for the three pointer, even though they can knock it down. And so you know the. At the same time, the answer is in front of them, and it isn't because you know it's obvious where they need to make changes, but it's hard to figure out actually tangible ways to make those changes happen without sacrificing, you know, too much for the team. And so. Okay, and for me, I know where I stand here, but I, we don't know where everyone or the people that, that hear this stand. So just to possibly be relatable or just to give them an opinion, when do you feel like it's or, – or do you think you will ever feel like within the course of, of our season uh, watching the San Antonio Spurs, do you think that you'll feel like, hey, we got to just fucking do it, clean house, figure it out, trade – Trade Lamarcus and Demar and and whatever. I'm 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 ready to throw it away and we'll get a high draft pick. I don't think that. Well, one that would be a really good question for anybody listening to comment whenever we post this episode, so that way we can um, 
take into account the, um, the listeners' responses whenever we talk about this next time. Mm-hmm. But um, with, I, I don't think that they should trade both. I think that trading both would be way too much change for this team. Like that's some two K shit that you're talking about yeah. is getting rid of your two best players in the same year. And for pieces that are probably not going to be equivalent to what they can produce. You know, if you get rid of Aldridge and DeRozan, you're probably looking at a similar package to what we got for Kawhi. Like, one really good player, but then uh, not as of equal value as the player you're trading for him. And then, like, a draft pick and a young prospect. Like, you trade away those guys, and they more than likely you're looking at a future move rather than a current move. But uh, if I had to choose, I think I would choose trading DeMar uh, during the season because he's he's going to be we, – we don't well, we don't really have a choice because he's going to be a free agent after mm-hmm. this season, so you can't trade him after. Um, but, uh, you know, then the deadline is in February. There hasn't been any news on an extension, and I don't think that it's worth it to go into next summer – Wondering if you're gonna lose Demar Derozan for nothing, because even if so, if if that does happen, then that Kawhi trade looks way uglier for the Spurs. To, at the t- at the time, I understood why they wanted to do that. You get Demar, you get Jakob, you get a draft pick, but then what? Two years later, if Demar leaves, and all you have to show for it is Jakob, who Jakob, who can also theoretically leave because he's gonna be a free agent. And then a draft pick that turned into Keldon Johnson. And that's all you got to show for Kawhi. Like, that looks really ugly. So do you think... Okay, so just to be clear, that you said the deadline is in February. You don't see DeMar with the Spurs after February. <sighs> God, that's so hard. Because they never make in-season trades. They never make trades, period. So it's hard to judge what they're actually going to do here. Like, this is... And granted, this comes at a time where they've never... Their their future has never been in jeopardy like this either. Like, this is the first time since, what, like the, like the 80s? Yeah. That they haven't... <laughs> that they haven't been... Even when the Spurs have an off year, you're confident that they're still going to be in connect in contention the following year. You know, it's usually just a few tweaks that they need to get back into the conversation. But mm-hmm. with this team, you have no clue. You have no clue who's going to be on this team, like even as little as two years from now. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, they've never had to juggle so many possibilities at once. And so, if I were leading the team. I would survey the market and see what I could get for DeMar and, you know, really think hard about whether or not to move him by February. Because uh, if you don't move him, then, you know, you have to you have to commit to either signing him long-term in free agency or uh, letting him go. Because I, I, I doubt that he agrees to a short-term deal. And I wonder if... Uh, you know, sign and trade is possible, but I don't know. Those are always so hard to work out, if, so I don't think that much about it. If you had to put your entire savings on a bet, would you bet that he stays or that he's gone? I wouldn't. <laughs> it would be – it's – determining when that comes is, like, the hardest thing to decide. Yeah. But I would say this time next year, DeMar is not on the team. Okay, fair enough. 
All right, now one one more question for clarity here is I saw this in conjunction with the whole Demar deleting his his uh, Instagram or clearing his Instagram. This one I I I much less listened to or believe, um, but you know other people out there might have different opinions about it. What do you what do you do you put any stock in the whole Dejounte Murray unfollowed the Spurs on Instagram? Not really, because there's like I mean he's not following them, but there's no evidence that he did. Like there's like they, that they he did before, right? To, yeah, there's there's like I mean I don't know how to do it myself. I've never tried it, but there's like analytical websites that can show like the activity of a Twitter user like on a day to day basis, and they didn't show like him actively like unfollowing the team so i don't know and even if he did i wouldn't give a shit about that either because he just signed a deal for four more years yeah whatever whatever shit he needs to work out with the team he could work it out yeah yeah see that that's where i am too i don't believe that he first of all he's been very vocal in his support for the medical staff the coaching staff the entire team the entire organization of the spurs and vice versa we literally signed him to an extension when he's fresh off an acl tear like that just shows trust going both ways. I don't think there's any – I don't think that holds any water to it. So if you guys are panicking because you're of the thought that when somebody makes a move on social media, then that completely means what they're going to do – or that completely tells what they're going to do with their team, don't worry about it. I don't believe that DeJounte is going anywhere. John doesn't believe that DeJounte is going anywhere. So go ahead and order those, those uh, jerseys for Christmas. Unless he gets packaged with DeMar DeRozan. Oh, God, or... no. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> that would be a way to get back star talent. DeMar DeRozan and DeJounte Murray, you got to get you got to get a big fish. Who, 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 who are you going together. for? Who are you going for with that? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> let, let me see. Let me fire up the trade machine. Let me see what but I But you're not going up. for Jimmy Buckets. Uh, No. He, I mean, he just signed in Miami, and he loves it in Miami, so he's not going to... He's not gonna leave. Um, shit, I, don't know. I saw that Miami um, was was looking into Demar. Uh, obviously, yeah. Magic were looking into Demar. There was another couple teams that I had read about. I think, uh, yeah, I think the teams that to to look out for for a Demar trade are the Heat, the Pistons, and the Magic. Pistons? There's nobody on the Pistons. What Drummond? If Drummond's still there. Yeah, Drummond is there, but I, but I wouldn't not gonna want to trade him, for him. I wouldn't want to trade for him either. Because no. he uh, he uh, he's gonna he's gonna be the kind of guy that's really expensive, but it's still limited. Like I mean, he's the I mean he's like the best. Uh, he's like the best like big man around the rim that there is, but that's the end of his skill set yeah. too. He doesn't really do much else beyond that. Uh, let me see here. I need to shit. Let me see here. I, uh, man, I was just looking at something that I, uh, I was just looking at a deal that I had, um, was looking at on Twitter for, let me see here. Okay, here we go. Let me see. Tell me, would you do a trade for, uh, Marco Bellinelli, DeMar DeRozan, and Bryn Forbes to the Thunder? For Chris Paul and a draft pick. No. Hell no. <laughs> Marco Bellinelli, DeMar DeRozan, and who? Bryn Forbes. Fuck no. <laughs> For Chris Paul and a draft pick. Mind you, it's probably going to be a lottery pick, but 
No, I still wouldn't. No, no. I think I would do it. What? Why? Chris Paul's 56 years old. He Health is definitely an issue with Chris Paul, but... When he's on the floor, he's still a really, really good player. This this is coming from someone who hates Chris Paul. Like I hated him in Houston. Like I it made it like brought joy to my like it just it just brought joy to my life to see him absolutely fuck up the championship hopes that Houston had. Like I loved seeing that. Like I was the biggest Rockets hater while Chris Paul was there. But God. He can still run an offense among the best of them. He can shoot from three. He um, he's still a good defender. The health is the biggest issue, but you know if you if you clear out the wing spot with Bellinelli, DeRozan, and Forbes out of there, you replace with Chris Paul. Those minutes gotta go elsewhere too. Like you can replace some of those minutes with Lonnie. That would be the that would be like a surefire way to get Lonnie some minutes too. So uh, that's true. I didn't, I didn't, that's true, I, I guess, but. God, dude, we got, I, we got, no, 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 you know what, no, no, <laughs> I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't do it, no, because we've been talking about what fool is going to pick up Chris Paul's contract, what foolish team is going to do this, do that, we can't be that mistake, shit, we're, yeah, we're going to be the fucking fools, get our, get our Joker makeup ready, because we're going to look like fucking clowns whenever Chris Paul is in town, but, uh, you know that that was just one that was just one scenario that was thrown out on Twitter that I was thinking about, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. I actually, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's still a lot to be determined with this year. It's still a young season. I mean, the Spurs can. I mean, the Spurs can. I don't know. Get back to 500, and then people are gonna forget about this. Yeah, that's true. But God. They also have the second toughest schedule for the remainder of the year. So that's something to look out for, too. <laughs> Us? The San Antonio Spurs? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. of course. Yep. Yeah. So they really need to get their shit together fast. Okay. All right. So for the for this coming week, they have Minnesota at home on Wednesday, the Clippers at home on Friday, the Pistons in Detroit on Sunday, and then the Rockets at home next Tuesday. So, Timberwolves, what, what, Clippers, Pistons, Rockets. Yeah. So, what do you call it? We better beat the Pistons, man. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say two and two. I think we pick up Timberwolves and Pistons, and then lose Clip. No, damn it! I don't want to lose to the Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did uh I mean I mean it was when he was with the Raptors but whenever Kawhi came into town last year the Spurs did beat the shit out of him. Well, there you go. And then they they probably won't both play, right? Him and Paul George their minute restrictions are kind of Yeah, it depends on their schedule. What is their schedule? Uh let me see here. Yeah, it just depends on how they're do it's uh let me see here. They have uh Friday. Let me see here. I see they play tomorrow against the Oh, today they're on a back-to-back. Uh, today against the Mavericks and tomorrow against the Grizzlies. So they so they probably will both play on Friday. I think so. Uh, yeah, then I'm going to go Timberwolves-Pistons. Uh, yeah, me too. I think at this point you kind of uh, 
we can't really bet on a comeback for them. I think we just kind of have to roll with what it is at the moment because uh, they haven't really shown it yet that they can win against you know the top teams in the league. So we kind of just got to wait and see it to believe it. Yeah. So, I mean, are you going 2-2 two two as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do too. And the Timberwolves are actually projected to be in the playoffs as it stands right now. So I don't believe in that. I think that they'll they'll fall out. Um, but the West is going to be really, really, uh, really up for grabs those last few those last few spots. I am ready, however, not to go off topic, but I am ready to crown the Mavericks as a playoff seed. Dude, Luka Doncic, man. That guy is for sure a top 10 player now. There, I refuse to believe that there are 10 players in the world better than Luka Doncic. Okay, so I feel like he's playing to spite me now because uh, <laughs> <laughs> about the end of last week, uh, Steven had asked me. Steven lives in Dallas, and he had asked me. I guess he listens to uh, their local radio station a lot. And he, Well, he didn't ask me. He asked in a group message. He said... Uh, Luca, this kid Luca, is he really the real deal? And I was like, dude, he's good. Like he's crazy good. He's performing really well and all that stuff. And then he's like, Oh, is he the best player in the league right now? And I was like, No, no, he's not. And then I like kind of started putting him down. I wasn't being a jerk. I was just saying, you know, he he's, <laughs> he's got a lot oh, because he said, Is he like Kawhi Leonard good? And I was like, No, he's got a long ways to go to be considered Kawhi Leonard good. But, you know, he's this and that. I was just giving my opinion. So then Alex uh, Torres, who also lives in Dallas, he chimed in. He loves Luca, And he's like, no, Chris Porzingis is going to get it together. Luca's going to keep dominating. And then Luca is going to win MVP. And I was like, no, he's not. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's going to be Giannis is going to repeat. If the Lakers end up in the top three seed or whatever, then LeBron will probably get it. But uh, I don't think that Luca's anywhere near getting MVP. And, and then he just... He just buried me. <laughs> like, <laughs> for the next five days straight, all I could hear was Luca this and Luca that and his triple double and thirty seven points and thirty dude, he is playing like a madman right now. Yeah, still yeah, it's still on the brink of averaging a triple double. His his numbers right now thirty point six points per game, ten point one rebounds, nine point eight assists. Like at twenty years old. This guy cannot buy a drink, and he is averaging 30 points in the best basketball league in the world. Dude. and yeah, Oh, my God. Yeah. No, no you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. He's good, man. He's great. He is he, he's phenomenal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop criticizing every little thing or doubting him, I guess I should say. And, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm ready to assume that the Mavericks are in the playoffs. Okay, all right, so just for fun, I'm going to run through this top 10 list real quick that Sports Illustrated has, and you tell me, Luca or this guy? Okay. Okay. Uh, num- uh, Luca or Giannis? Giannis. Luca or Kawhi? Kawhi. Luca or LeBron? Right now, the way that it is right now? Oh, shit, I don't know. No, <laughs> I, I still got to go with LeBron because he's, he's, he looks like he's young again. Luca or Steph? Luca. Luca or Harden? Uh, Harden. <laughs> Luca or Anthony Davis? Uh, uh, Luca. 
Luca or Joel Embiid? Luca, he could do more. Luca or Nikola Jokic? Luca. Damn it! For real? Those are the two. Luca or Paul George? Luca. I'd rather have Luca on my team right now. Luca or Damian Lillard? Luca. Yep, Luca. See, there you go. That's the top ten Dude, according wow. to Sports Illustrated, man. You were starting to question it after number three. Yeah, that's true. Fuck, man. He's yeah, man. There's no. I guess there's no denying it. The kid is a star. And yeah, I really I, so what we were talking about, and let me let me ask you this: what we were talking about because I I talked to my other friend JP uh, at uh, at Blue Oasis the other day. We were talking about Luca, and I told him about how, you know, I I hate it. I love the kid, but I hate that he's not a spur. And um, so he was talking about. It, he was like, "Yeah, the Spurs would be the perfect organization for him, but don't the Mavericks? Doesn't that feel like a good spot for him? Doesn't that feel like a right fit for him?" And and I agreed. And then we started thinking about it. Like, is there could you see him in another organization? I I honestly think he fell into the best spot that he could fall into. Um, I was hoping that Atlanta, who had originally drafted him, yes. would keep him. Yeah. Cause that also would have been a prime choice for him to go to. And for sure, yeah, I he would a hundred percent have been the perfect kind of player for San Antonio. And who, um, I think I had mentioned like on a, on a, on a previous episode, who was the guy that I was hoping that the Spurs would trade Kawhi for. Yeah. But um, man, that's the thing about him is that he can go. He does so much that he can go to pretty much any team and fill in the gaps. And you know that that's. That's his game. If you need him to score, he'll score. If you need him to rebound, he'll he'll rebound. He's one of the leading rebounders in the league at and at the guard spot. But I mean and, like like attitude wise, like the the person that he is, because he seems like a humble, quiet, fun guy that he's not this like super flashy superstar out there. He doesn't want all the spotlight. He's not dressing up in fashion over whatever the fashionista, whatever the hell it's called. He's not like trying to walk a catwalk or a runway or whatever. He's he's going out there. He's playing basketball. He's a nice guy. He's humble. He's funny. He's likable. Like he's, it, 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 by those by in that aspect, I don't think he could have landed anywhere else. Besides, yeah, the system in, in Atlanta because of the system. But but then they ended up trading for him or trading him away. Uh, you're you're talking about likability in Dallas in the same sentence. I don't think so. <laughs> oh come on, look at Dirk. Oh yeah, Dirk is awesome, but Dallas sucks. The Dallas organization sucks. I, you know, there's a reason why we hate Dallas. Right, right, right. No, and I, I, I completely, get, I'm, I agree with that. I'm, I'm fucking black and silver through and through. But what I mean is, is, like Dirk left a void in that organization, and I think Luca filled it perfectly. Oh yeah, this was a perfect like handing them, like you know, handing of off of the baton from Dirk to Luca. Like this is like. Mm-hmm. As perfect as a scenario as Dallas could have hoped for, um, you know, because I mean, he's the type of guy who I mean, in the sense that Dallas was a good spot for him because, you know, they were ready for the next chapter, and Luca is going to be that guy. He was in prime position to be hailed as the figure to revive Dallas basketball, and um, you know, just across the board, raise Dallas basketball, raise international basketball. Mm-hmm. The guy's going to be the best player in the league, if not already. Like, this is going to be, like, 
this previous chapter of the basketball era that has been dominated by LeBron, the next face of the league is going to be Luka. Like, hot take. This, this is it that hot? No, 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 no. Who you, who else would it be? I mean, are we already forgetting about the Brady or the braided head devil in Los Angeles? Kawhi, he's always gonna have this era is going to he's definitely going to be the highlights of this era. But I think just with the, um, I think with his personality, always like shying away from the spotlight and constantly having to worry about his injury and load management like if he was a if he was a healthy guy he probably could have been that guy but he's going to be someone who for the rest of his career is going to be on load management and i think that takes him out of the conversation trey young zion williamson rj barrett trey young doesn't play defense zion has not played rj barrett plays for the knicks (laughs) Damn, that's cold-blooded. <laughs> but a good point. Good point, I guess. <laughs> yeah, man. Just, I don't know, man. Okay, well, this is enough gushing for Luca. I could go on and on about this guy, but... Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> okay. All right, and so the other story that I wanted to end on was um, the story that we um, that I sent to you earlier, which was a story about the NBA um, thinking about seriously revamping the schedule in preparation for, I think it was a 2021-2022 season, where it's uh, the same year as the 75th anniversary of the league, where um, among uh, the things that are being discussed are reducing the regular season to 78 games, um, a tournament for the last two spots in each conference, a mid-season tournament with all 30 teams. And, um, let me see, wait, I think, is that all I have? Oh, and also, um, reseeding the teams in the conference finals. So that way, uh, the two, uh, conference final, the, the semifinal round before the actual finals is not as lopsided as it has often been in history. And so, uh, what was your thoughts reading about this? This is like a huge. This is a huge like revamping of what we know. If this passes through, then it's going to be, you know, it, it has a lot of implications as far as like huge changes for the league. So, what were your thoughts on it? I am incredibly excited for if this were to pass through. I I think really? it's yeah. I think it's so much, so much to change. So I don't think it will at least fully pass through. But if it did, I'm I'm like I, and I think I speak for a lot of of uh, fans that are not not casual fans, but also not super super fans. I think I I speak for a lot of that gray area to where to where like we it, it would be it would be amazing it would be great in my opinion it'd be great. The only thing I don't so let's break it down real quick. Let's let's talk about each each of the the big what three or four components. And starting with the one that I really don't understand, I don't get. I want to. I want to get what they're trying to do here. The reseeding of the semifinals. How how does that work? What 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 that, goes on there? That I'm actually the most excited about, because um, I think that's the one that easily makes the most sense. 
I personally would rather just reseed the entire playoffs, but if there is going to be a change where they reseed it at the semifinal level, I would take it. So like let's say like let's say the conference finals like let's put let like let's look back at like uh shoot, what was it? Like like three, four years ago, whenever the conference finals was like uh Golden State and OKC and then the other side was Cleveland and Toronto. You know, OKC and Golden State would have put up uh like one of the best playoff series in history, whereas on the other side Cleveland would have just stomped the shit out of Toronto and they would have had a break while Golden State and OKC duke it out. And so if they were to reseed it, you know, it would be um, you know, based off of record and, you know, just like as you would during a regular playoff seeding, top to bottom, best record to worst record. So that way instead it would have been something like the Warriors versus the Raptors and uh, Cleveland against OKC. And then those two and the winners of those two series face off for the finals. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I I would be on board with that as well. So, just to clarify, those teams will still go in the 1 through 8. Like let's say let's say that year the uh the Thunder came in as a 7 seed. Or they didn't, right? They were much higher than that. But let's just say for for the sake of 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 clarity. Um, that they came in as a seven seed, they would still come into the playoffs as a seven seed and still have to fight their way to the conference championships or the semifinals in this case, to yeah. the semifinals, and then at that point they would get reseeded. Right. Right. Okay. So it's normal for the first round and the second round, and then the third round. That's whenever it's reorganized. Now, I'm gonna assume that that's playoff record notwithstanding, right? Like you're. You're going based off of your regular season record? Um, it doesn't clarify, but I would assume by, you know, what your rec- what your seed was going into the mm-hmm. playoffs. Like okay. what your record like what your record was. Yeah, and the purpose of this is just to ensure that the top two teams get into the finals, right? Like Yeah, like let's say if this had occurred, like let me just um That would have been bad news for LeBron back in the day cuz it's the reason why he went to eight straight finals is because he played in the weak ass East. Yeah, let me uh, let me look it up real quick. Um, let me see if this is a 19, 2019, 2018, 2017. Uh, well, hell, even twenty fourteen. Yeah, I think uh, let me see here. when it was the Spurs and the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here, like, let's say, like, let's look at this one. Let's look at a. Uh, from two years ago, whenever Golden State beat Houston in seven, mm-hmm. and on the other side it was Cleveland over Boston, also in seven. But you can make the argument whether Cleveland was just that bad or if they were taking a load off or what. But then in that case, you know, the more competitive series was Warriors over Rockets, and that was more competitive than that Cleveland-Boston series, and more competitive than what eventually became the finals of Warriors-Cavs. Whereas in this reorder of the seating it probably would have been something like golden state boston and houston cleveland and the finals would have actually been golden state versus houston yeah yeah i'm all for that i definitely so is this is okay well let's go on to the next one now the, the clar- clarification for the next component of it which was the okay so we have the midseason tournament the play okay the play in so everybody knows what the playoffs are but the play in for the last two seeds 
so we talked about the semifinals. Now we're talking about the seven and eight seed in each conference, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so those are up for grabs, basically. It's going to be seven, eight, nine, and ten in each right. conference that are playing for those last two. That one I hate. Really? I do, n- I do not like that one because it's just what what is this all for? Like you're competing in an extra tournament to get the shit beat out of you by the one seed or the two seed. Like to me that doesn't really make sense. Like I don't understand like if you're a team like uh shoot, like let, let's say let's let like let's look up the standings now. Like right now number Right now one, it would help us a lot. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's true. But um, let's see. Like right now, it's um, like let let's take a look at the East. Like right now, it would have been Nets in order from seven to ten. Nets, Magic, Wizards, Pistons. If you're the Wizards, are you really that excited for a chance to go up against Milwaukee in the first round, where you're probably going to be swept? Yeah, that's true. What does that really do for them in the long run? That's true, what, I guess. And so what I what I really would rather have, instead of these two, both of these tournaments, the play-in and the mid-season tournament, w- was something that I don't think is ever going to happen, but one thing that has always stuck to me as, like, the perfect solution to um, this idea of having an extra tournament and uh, also something that would lead to a solution for the draft because this is something that involves the draft too mm-hmm. i would rather have i would rather have a tournament of the teams who did not make the playoffs and whoever wins gets the number 1 pick a turn I, oh ooh that would be nice i would rather have that because you know these teams at the bottom of the barrel they, you know, they never, it's, these are teams that we're used to seeing at the bottom, like, almost all the time. Like, you know, th- whenever you're at the bottom, you stay there for, like, a solid, like, five, six years, unless you just have, like, amazing management who's able to get you out of there. So it's, like, instead of the number one pick going to the Knicks, like, what about if it, you know, what about, let's say the Spurs miss the playoffs, and then they win that tournament. And then the Spurs, you know, who were just on the, who were probably going to be on the cusp of missing the playoffs, end up get compensated with the number one pick. Or if it's not them, then let's say the Blazers or the Pelicans, like these guys who are already pretty good, get the number one pick, and now that's another team you got to worry about in the coming year. Like that's another team with a bunch of popularity, a bunch of stock that you get to put into that team. Where instead of a New York Knicks team that is going to suck for perpetuity something like that yeah i actually really like that i hadn't thought about that i don't think the nba has thought about that because that wasn't on the docket but um but yeah if if they could pivot towards something like that that would be really cool however i think they make a lot well i was gonna say they make a lot of money off of the lottery but they would make even more off of a tournament so So, yeah yeah, they would make more off the one negative though that i would point out about that is that i don't see how the players would be enthusiastic about that because they would eventually this wouldn't be for them this would be for another player who can come in and take their minutes Mm -hmm. so i don't see how you get your players enthused to take part of that but definitely the team and the fan base would 
That's very true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and it has to go through the players' association, right, to be able to be approved. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing. Um, so the play in, you're not down for that one. And honestly, after hearing your reasoning, I don't think I would be either. Because yeah, who cares? Like, why do you want to win a tournament just to get beat down? Um, yeah. So the obviously the reducing of the games to seventy eight. That's uh, self explanatory. Yeah. And which to me also doesn't really make sense because it would be offset by these tournaments that they want to have for it. Well, I think that's why they would do it, right? Because if you reduce to 78 games and the most the most games that a team could have with the midseason tournaments and stuff would be uh, 83. So you're really just increasing it by one. But that's if you win the tournament. Yeah. Um, and I don't really see... Like, that's just a logistical thing. Like, you can't really appeal to people saying that the regular season is going to be shortened whenever you're adding to other aspects of it. So it's not really by its, its... It's not really a positive or a negative. It's just another piece to this proposal. Yeah. And so the last factor of it, which is my favorite one, honestly, my favorite... I guess you... I don't know how you feel about this, but I would love to see a midseason Christmas time tournament consisting of all 30 teams that'd be great to me i would really like that too i think the hard thing for me i i like it because i just think that it's interesting to have that kind of thing play out because i think that this is a type of thing that can um it can really i think that this kind of thing could have an effect on a team's chemistry and mentality for the rest of the year like if a team who shoot, I don't know, just a team that is unex that who unexpectedly wins this uh, tournament, they could probably ride that wave for the rest of the year and become a real factor if they're able to you know um, you know keep that chemistry that developed over the tournament. And um, but um, I think that uh, I really like that idea just in general because it's a good time of the year where basketball can really uh, be you know the dominating headline of it mm-hmm. and. Um, I want to know though more about what, how they incentivize it because a midseason tournament to me sounds interesting in theory, but I want to know what I'm excited about. Like I'm intrigued by it, but what what what's the excitement? Like what what is going to happen that makes me think like this is definitely worth the change? Okay, I see. Like what are they what are they playing for? What, like why? Yeah, are they just hoping that the winner of are they just hoping that with tradition, the tournament winner becomes just as valuable as the finals winner? I was like, that's a lot to bank on this tournament. Like, it feels like at this point, this tournament idea is like just for fun. So what if they, cool. what if they, what if they implemented like a point system, and then you know those points, like like an overall through the whole entire season? And this is just a thought. Obviously, they haven't. They probably won't do this, but just a thought off the top of my head when you mentioned this right now is like you change it to like because what they were saying was that they want to do something resembling the Euro soccer tournament or whatever in the middle of the year. Uh, But I know in soccer, um, in those tournaments, they have uh, two points for a win or three points for a win, something like that. One point for a draw, no points for a loss. Like what if they had points like that throughout the season that that added to their playoff seed or their playoff hopes or whatever, and then a tournament would 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 uh, would then be an addition to those points. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, 
I don't know. I just kind of, I want to know more about like the immediate value to it. Like if it, if it, if this carries over and has further significance throughout the year, like, yeah, that's interesting. That's something that we can look forward to. But I guess what I'm getting at is, does this warrant changing the structure of the whole year? Because if you implement this tournament idea, you really are changing things up and, you know, you're altering the schedule. You're altering, um, you're altering like the time of year that this takes place. Because I imagine that if you put in a tournament in the middle of the year, then you're probably moving back basketball and the season will probably have to start like at, at the beginning of October or, or late September or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then basketball really becomes like a year round sport. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that, this really shakes up what people expect out of basketball and i want to know like what yeah just like what what it's what it really what it's really worth because like if it's just for fun that's not going to be something that will go over well with the players association i don't think and if it's something with like a point system like that's a good thing to attach to it but again there has to be something of value that makes it worth going through to begin with yeah, I um I I just think that it's I love basketball. I really do. Um but I think that it's starting to lose kind of well, I don't want to say lose interest because the, the league is getting younger. Okay, so let me say it this way. The league is getting younger and the players are getting more exciting. The only thing that mm -hmm. isn't changing is the dynamic of the season really and even all-star weekend is is like the the best thing that a lot of people have to look forward to but it's in such an inopportune like time of the year or whatever um so i i feel like this would be a really really good spark of excitement to uh to nba fans and honestly i think for me anyways that's that's enough for me to say let's fucking do it like that would be just so cool to see a turn a real real tournament like a march madness but in the in the pros like yeah. how awesome would it be to see the Suns topple the Clippers or what they did? I mean, you know, really right now they're they're up there too, but to see the Spurs, well like as low as they are to take down the Sixers or to take down the somebody that's that's in the top seed, you know what I mean? And then see them advance further than than what their current standing says that they should be. Yeah, and I think that would be really cool. I think like it would I think that would be something that can really go for the teams who are not typically seen as championship contenders. Like, you know, for a team like the Clippers, we already know that they're going to be really, really good. But, you know, around this time is around the time that they're starting to gel and we're still, like, learning how to play together and things like that. And then you have a team like the Timberwolves or the Suns who have really caught on and, you know, are being taken a lot more seriously than they normally are by the end of the year. And so if they can, if they, if they can, you know, take advantage of a moment like this in which they seem to be in more of a groove than a team at the top and, and win the whole thing, like that would be really awesome. And I would definitely watch it. And I definitely think that the idea is cool, but I guess what I'm wondering, I want to know like where, where in basketball history is this going to be held in regard because at the goal is to make it just as valuable as who wins the finals, then they're never going to succeed. So I want to know, like, w w what more is there to it? 
Yeah, I feel you. Like how 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 do they make it attract? How do they make it attractive for people like me who are still going? Who at the end of it are going to be like, okay, well that was fun. Now back to see who gets to the finals. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's got to have enough meaning, but not too much, obviously, because it's not going to be equivalent to to the uh, Larry O'Brien. Yeah, exactly. Which would which um, I mean I don't know. It would be cool, but uh, I don't know. We just have to wait and see. And I think that's one of the things, too, about the playoff series that I don't like is that, you know, with other sports, like, like football, you know, it's just, the, it's just the one game. So, you know, teams who, who catch you by surprise, it can have serious implications for the rest of the playoff period. Whereas with basketball, it's a seven-game series, and eventually, the, and like, you know, 99% of the time, the better team figures you out and wins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think it would be really cool to see other teams sneak up on them like that. Yep, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, all right. You want to wrap up here? Yeah, yeah. I guess that, that's going to be it for our episode this week. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, any really any kind of podcast listening uh, app that you may have, we will be on there. Double Shot of Sports Podcast. Um, we were created for your morning drive and your double shot of espresso or coffee, coffee, whatever you have. But um, but we're we're there any time of the day that you want. Shout out to all you guys that have listened and that that will continue to listen, and that haven't yet. Um, thanks for coming back with us. And uh, for uh, for this week, I'm Hector. We got JP on the other mic. And uh, and for. For anyone, for anyone who plays Nintendo Switch, add me on that shit so we can play Pokemon together. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen anything about this new Pokemon game that came out, but it is fucking amazing, and I am going through a shitload of nostalgia right now, and it's awesome. It, it looks really good. It, it, like the graphics of it look pretty cool. And uh, on that note, uh, Call of Duty Mobile. Go ahead and add your boy HRS One. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. So yeah, this is Double Shot, a sports podcast. We'll see y'all next week. Later.